More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Monday edition, Clay and Buck kicks off right now, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. We missed you over the weekend. We trust you are Ready for action today, relaxed after a couple of days away from the show. We've got a lot to discuss with all of you. Um, Bud Light continues to tank. And we keep saying, I mean, they just really need to apologize and spend some money on conservative shows. And maybe things will turn around for them, but they won't do it. We'll get into a little bit more of of that. Um, You have... The New York City mayor is calling for migrants to be sent to every U.S. city across the country. This is always fascinating. Democrats say migrants are, when they say migrants, just to be very clear, they're not talking about immigrants who come here legally. Illegal aliens was the term we were all using until about five minutes ago. Illegal aliens build this country, make us all richer and make everything better. But somehow they're a huge financial drain on New York City, such that New York City needs to send them to other places because they can't afford them. That's an interesting situation, isn't it? Also, Eric Adams, as you notice, I've got a lot of New York on my mind these days. Um, Eric Adams has a new plan to combat retail theft, which is a massive, massive uh, millions and millions of dollars uh, problem in New York City. Uh, Some an update on the Epstein uh, Jeffrey Epstein situation involving Bill Gates in the Wall Street Journal that I thought was interesting. I want to talk to you. We haven't spoken much. Clay and I haven't talked to you a lot about Epstein's case and how there is still a lot that is unresolved there. Um, uh, there's a lot that we are told to accept that many of us say that is unacceptable, meaning we don't have proper answers. We don't have what we need. So we'll get into that. A shooting in Memphis, Tennessee that had a lot of people uh, particularly uh, fired up over the weekend because the homeowner defending himself, his home, and his family from incoming fire was arrested and is facing charges from the Soros-backed DA in Memphis, Tennessee. So returning fire now can get you locked up. We'll explain that one later on. 
Uh, oh, one more thing. The uh, NAACP is telling uh, is telling people don't go to Florida. Uh, they're saying don't go to Florida. The state where the biggest problem, here you go. If you travel to Florida, beware your life is not valuable. We'll play that audio for you later. Um, but the state where the biggest problem is no one is able to afford houses in the biggest cities because of supply and demand, because everyone is moving to Florida, they're saying, no, don't go. Your life is not valued. But let, let's start with this, Clay. We always like to focus in on politics. The uh, primary feels like the primary is underway now. You know, it feels like we're really starting to enter that phase where this is going to be a dominant theme, a dominant situation day to day in American politics. Tim Scott, the senator, a senator from South Carolina, just formally announced he is in this fight. Here is just from a few moments ago, the senator from South Carolina. Play it. They're replacing education with indoctrination. They spent covid Locking kids out of the classroom. And in Biden's America, crime is on the rise and law enforcement is in retreat. The far left is ending cash bails. They're demonizing, demoralizing, and defunding the police. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running. For president of the United States of America. <laughs> a fiery announcement. Sorry, I stepped on it for a second there. Tell me, Clay, what is your first reaction to? I mean, my, my sense is Senator Scott is very widely liked in GOP circles. People, Everyone is like, I like Senator Scott. He's a good man. What does it mean for the political race? So I love the way he announced there. It's like he was uh, Macho Man Randy Savage or Hulk Hogan, like ripping off his shirt to reveal a uh, a, a U.S. flag underneath or something. Um, Tim Scott, we've had him on the show a lot. I'm sure we'll have him on at some point this week. Enters into a race that I think it's fair to say, Buck, right now there are about five people that most people would recognize as running for the race. There's a lot of people who have entered, right? But I would say, obviously, Trump. We expect DeSantis. The reports were he's going to enter this week as well. Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, and then maybe Vivek Ramaswamy is in that five. We'll see whether Mike Pence is going to enter. There's been a lot of talk that suddenly Chris Christie's going to enter. I, I am curious most with Tim Scott entering whether he's really running for president or is he running for vice president? Because if he were running for president, then he would immediately attack Donald Trump, who is the leader. And I I would say what everybody needs to pay attention to so far that characterizes this race, Buck, is almost everybody has gone after Ron DeSantis, the guy who's presumed to be in second place and isn't even officially in this race, as opposed to going after Trump. And the reason why I would point this out is, what was the number one story of 2016, Buck? When you go look back at the Republican primary, 19, 18, whatever it was, 18 or 19 people enter, and everybody thinks Trump's going to fade. I just need to get it down to me versus Trump. And then what happened? They got it down to me versus Trump, and instead of Trump uh, falling back and the the counter uh, uh, puncher being the nominee, Trump just surged even more into a more prominent spot. And the reason I bring this up is 
So long as everybody is attacking DeSantis as opposed to Trump, what it means to me, Buck, is everybody's actually angling to try to be vice president or they're angling to be in the Trump administration more than they want to be president. Now, Tim Scott has a compelling story. I agree with much of what he says. He is really selling uh, the idea that Barack Obama sold in 2008, which is America is a redemptive, uh, incredibly successful country where any kid that's born today can grow up to be president of the United States. And that is, to me, what Tim Scott's ultimate message is, whether you get into the nitty-gritty of his politics. His message is, America's an exceptional place, the greatest, freest country in the history of the world, and my life story is evidence of the American dream and what is possible here. And so I think that's very compelling. The question I have, and I'm curious what you would say to this, is, is he actually running for president or is he running for vice president? I think he's running for vice president. Yeah, and I and I don't mean that in any to be dismissive or, or disrespectful of uh, the idea that we don't know because we don't. Okay, no one really knows where this primary is going to go. Um, and if running for vice president for someone like Tim Scott makes a lot of, if you're a strategist for him, makes a lot of sense, right? Especially if it's for Trump, because you yeah. know. You, you're on the launch pad, my friend. You're, you're four years. If Trump wins, you got four, and by, it's not even four years. Within two years of Trump's second term, Tim Scott would be gearing up for his own presidential run. So it's a very different vice presidential slot now with a term limited second term president than it would have been if you're running, you know, if you're running to be someone's VP for possibly eight years, like Joe Biden was for Barack Obama. That's a long time. Now, I know Biden ended up coming back and winning the presidency, but there was a once-in-a-century pandemic and some crazy things happened. Uh, so the Tim Scott running for VP, to me, makes uh, I, I sh- that that's the long-term play makes a lot of sense. The, the, the places where I think he could be a little bit vulnerable in the primary to the degree that I, I'm not sure. He's, again, very a very likable guy who... Uh, has loves America tells a you know tells us a story of America as a great place that so you're you're gonna have so much um, connection with him from even Trump voters in the primary DeSantis voters in the primary DeSantis hasn't announced yet but we're days away probably um, and, and others the only place though if you're gonna see him I think get some uh, my understand I should check on the immigration thing I think he's not great on immigration. Uh, from a very conservative or you know, right of center point of view, my point of view, and also on the criminal justice reform issue. If you remember, after George Floyd, he was we need to talk about police reform. And I was shouting in June of 2020 about this isn't about police reform. There are people rioting in the streets. They don't care about police reform. This is something else. This is ominous. This is wrong. So he was on the wrong side of that issue in the beginning. Now, did he get better? Sure. Um, that's a place where I could see him getting some criticism. If anyone out there, and I, I really mean this, we've got a lot of South Carolinians who, that's fun to say, Carolinian, uh, a lot of South Carolinians who li- uh, listen to the show. If you think Tim Scott could go the distance, or if you just want to want to weigh in, maybe you don't think Tim Scott should be running at all. Maybe you're not a huge fan. 800-282-2882. Um, Clay, we've got that. But we've also got, uh, in addition to the Tim Scott announcement, we have a, a likely Ron... DeSantis announcement coming later this week. And can I just throw this into the mix? I want everyone to listen very closely. This was over the weekend 
So when Ron is talking, Governor of Florida talking about COVID, what he says about, say, the vaccines and warp speed and the language he uses, play clip one. The way they weaponized these COVID vaccines was a massive incursion into our freedoms. They wanted to deny people the right to put food on their table if they didn't bend the knee and get a COVID shot that they may not have wanted and that many of them did not need. We can never allow warp speed to trump informed consent in this country ever again. That line, Clay, we can never allow warp speed to trump informed consent. We all understand what he's doing here. He's calling out warp speed because this is one, this is, I can't think of a place where the Trump base is more uncertain of Trump, honestly, on policy than on his, I still think warp speed was amazing and saved, you know, a hundred million lives line. And I think Ron's going after it here early. Yeah, that's where Trump is caught between the reality of the results of the COVID shot. It's basically worthless. Let's be honest, by and large, in in terms yes. of anything. It, any it, is, it is truly worthless, Clay, because they're throwing it out now all over the world, basically. And every school and university that made uh, such a big deal about the fact that kids had to get the shot and then also be boosted, they're quietly removing the COVID shot from their list of vaccine requirements. And for anybody out there who remembers going into college and the shots requirement, you have to have the vaccine immunology as a as a part of being admitted. You probably remember having to submit something there. To my knowledge, they've never pulled a shot off of that list in most of our lives. So the fact that they're just suddenly now, quietly, all of these schools, which were so draconian about getting the shot, they're suddenly pulling it back, lets you know what's going on. I think it's it's an area. Remember, strategically, DeSantis is attacking Trump from the right. Nobody's ever really gone after Trump because Trump has typically had a lot of support on the right side of the political equation, at least in the last you know six years or so. And that the, I think the single most vulnerable part of Trump's 2024 candidacy is potentially his argument that the COVID shot was a success. Now, that actually might play well in a general election, though, Buck, ironically for Trump, yes. because there are a lot of middle-of-the-road voters who want to believe that they didn't get completely snookered, that that COVID shot really was a success, and so this is one of those angles where, look, DeSantis is more right wing on abortion than Trump is. Trump, in some ways, is almost running a general election campaign in the Republican primary. I think that's interesting. Let's also talk a little bit more about Tim Scott when we got back, come back, because I've got a theory on Tim Scott. I'm curious if you buy it or not, Buck. We'll talk about that when we come back. In the meantime, when it comes to free cell phone deals, no shortage of too good to be true out there. Only Pure Talk gives you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the strings attached. Sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and data plan with mobile hotspot for 55 bucks a month. And guess what? You'll get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right. Unlimited everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's the other thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to Pure Talk, the wireless company we're proud to stand behind because they're proud to stand behind us. Just dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, you'll get a free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, 
and unlimited data. Again, that's pound 250. Say Clay and Buck switch to Pure Talk today. Pure Talk, wireless for Americans by Americans. Helping you separate truth from fiction every single weekday. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. So we went to break, Buck. I was telling you, I've got a question. I don't know if, if Tim Scott is the answer or not. I'm curious if you even buy into the thesis idea here. I, I believe, and this is what a lot of my book is about that's coming out in August, identity politics is the single greatest threat to America today. 
That is the idea, and this is, I understand a lot of you have a, a lot of ideas about different threats, but to me, the idea that you should be defined in some way by your race, by your gender, by your sexuality, by things that, by and large, in my opinion, you don't choose, right, um, is, and that that defines you in some way, is the antithesis of what a robust republic what a robust country needs to look like because we can agree or disagree on issues but when you begin your argument with as a black gay woman i believe why should i care about the black the gay or the woman and by the way you shouldn't care about my opinion because i'm a straight white guy you should care about my opinion because it's a good opinion or a bad opinion based on the facts and the evidence that I marshal to argue. So my point on Tim Scott, Buck, is does Tim Scott, if he were to rise to a level of success, does he blow up identity politics or does he further identity politics because then you're playing in some way the left's game based on his success right does yeah, that make any uh, yeah. sense like so i think so it's a really tough tough debate the the reality of republican politics for let's say the last 20 years is you are fighting over whether you're going to get seven percent or nine percent of the black vote um in this country you're, you're never going to break through beyond say getting 10 11 12 percent i mean that would be absolutely overperforming uh based on on historical numbers and what you also see is that take this as an example how did i remember you and i talked about this how did the black vote break down in georgia when herschel walker was going up against warnock warnock he got smoked yeah oh overwhelmingly got absolutely crushed there was i'm sorry walker cut smoked absolutely crushed um and the black vote was essentially what it what it had been in previous elections. So black Republicans do not get the uh, you know, they don't get additional votes because of identity politics. The question about whether it will I think it effectively leaves it unchanged because the left's argument is, as we know from what they said about Larry Elder in California, if you aren't if you are black and you are not in line with the Democrat left, the remember what Joe Biden said? Can we get that audio from the Breakfast Club? What the president said? Remember this? Yeah, if you don't vote uh, for me, you ain't black. That's what Joe Biden said, everybody. So that's why we see the politics the way we do. Go ahead, Clay. I'm a little bit more optimistic, but I think it's such an interesting debate about how do you blow up identity politics. My Pillow's got a great sale going on right now, this time on the super absorbent six piece towel set in a wide variety of colors. Set made with USA cotton, providing that soft feel you look for in a towel but getting the job done of drying you off. Two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths. Typically, it retails for $99.98. For a limited time, you can get the set on clearance for $25 with our names as the promo code Clay and Buck. Over 70% in savings, $25 for a six-piece towel set. How do you get it? Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800 792 3269. 25 buck towel set. Do it today. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. So we're talking about the um, entry uh, entrance into the primary campaign here for 
uh, Tim Scott, and we're also uh, talking about the imminent possibility of the, well, I think inevitability of uh, DeSantis entering as well. Some of you have called in about uh, Senator Scott. We'll, we'll take those calls at the back part, back ha- half of this hour. So stay with us if you can be patient. We want to hear from you, uh, South Carolinians who have views on, on, on this one and, and shed. Look, people generally follow their own senator more closely than other people do across the country, especially if he's been in your state a long time and uh, somebody who's who's known in state better than than outside the state so we always like to leverage that institutional knowledge if you will or that historical knowledge of uh these different candidates from places all across the country when you have been living in that state a long time all right um first off we we talked about this uh audio and, and it's so so clay and i are discussing this would tim scott if he were now i i just need clarity on this one we, we didn't talk about this but i'm saying uh do you think that he I, I am highly confident that Tim Scott as a vice president does not change noticeably in any way that affects the 2024 election, the uh, the black vote in this country, um, just based on what's happened in previous elections. Are you talking about him as a VP changing where the votes might be or as the nominee? The nominee, I could see, um, you know, obviously the nominee is a different situation. Yeah, so this is, to me, again, utterly fascinating. And my goal is to destroy identity politics, right? So I spend lots of time, which embarrassingly, in my free time, if I'm sitting watching a Little League game and, uh, and, you know, you're just sitting there watching, like, and your head's kind of running, I spend a lot of time thinking about how do we blow up identity politics? Because I think it's the most toxic aspect. I think it's directly connected to cancel culture. I think it's the most toxic thing that exists in American body politic today. And so you mentioned Herschel and Warnock. And I, I campaigned as hard as I could for Herschel because I thought Republicans taking back the Senate was important. I thought Herschel uh, fighting back and winning Georgia in that way after losing two Senate seats would be a big deal. What the data reflected on black voters in Georgia was actually somewhat interesting. Um, Herschel didn't lose because of black voters. Uh, actually, the turnout for black voters was lower in Georgia than anyone anticipated. In fact, the Warnock people thought that they were in trouble there. Um, so black voters, a lot of them stayed home in Georgia. Herschel lost because of suburban white voters. College-educated women in particular overwhelmingly supported Warnock, even split their tickets, voted for Brian Kemp, who won by almost eight points over Stacey Abrams, and voted for Warnock. So my thought is, as VP, I agree with you. I'm going to keep beating this drum. The VP has to be, for the Republicans, in my opinion, someone who can deliver a state. That's why I keep saying... Brian Kemp, he delivers Georgia. If you thought Glenn Youngkin did, heck, if you thought Sununu in New Hampshire, if you thought our buddy Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, if you thought somebody in a toss-up state, Carrie Lake, if she had won, maybe still in Arizona, I don't know. If you thought somebody in a toss-up state could deliver his VP, that has to be the pick. I do think, though, that if you had Tim Scott running against Joe Biden, and this is a really fascinating question, I think that a lot of black voters would support Tim Scott over Joe Biden relative to historic norms, in particular black men, who I think are persuadable. If you look at the data, black women overwhelmingly are the most loyal portion of the Democrat Party buckets. Why Joe Biden, when he won in South Carolina, promised that he was going to put a black woman, which is racist and sexist, on the Supreme Court and eliminated everyone else from consideration. But black men 
are persuadable, I believe. So I think you have to look at the black vote and say it's actually two different dynamics. Black men vote, if you have a good candidate, sometimes 20 25% for the Republican. Black women are like 98% voting for the Democrat, no matter what. So I don't have a gender breakdown, but I was able to pull up the data for the... Because to your point, Warnock against Walker, you have two black men running against each other for that... Okay, I mean, so it kind of the argument had been, the, or the discussion, politics. the discussion had been, well, you know, people would be more comfortable who maybe were thinking there were centrists or you know, independents. Maybe they, you know, black voters might be more comfortable with Herschel. We didn't see that at all. Um, but that's a different situation. You got two black guys in California. Uh, Larry Elder against Gavin Newsom in the recall. Gavin Newsom got, and now this is Gavin Newsom we're talking about, and a very poorly run state. He got eighty-four percent of the black vote. So five or six points went Larry's way in the state of California with its, you know, almost 40 million people or whatever. So, I mean, it's if you get to uh, 20 Democrats can't win. If you ever got the black vote to 80, 20, what did you say? 84, 16 in California, which doesn't have that big of a black population. I think California only has like a 12. It was 8 percent of the overall electorate in California. Yeah. So pretty small. But if you got nationwide ever to 80-20, just 80-20, Democrat coalition does not work. And that's where I think the race baiting would fall apart and identity politics would crumble, is the right Republican candidate, I think, and I understand some of you out there are like, it'll never happen, like, I'm an optimist, I think the right Republican candidate could get to 80-20 in 2024 against Joe Biden. Um, and if you got to 80, 20, yeah. that's like landslide numbers. You also have to keep in mind that obviously the numbers are not static, uh, for all the other demographics, right? So if yeah. let's say you have a Tim Scott, uh, you have a, you know, Tim Scott is the nominee. Um, what do working class Hispanic voters think of his policies vis-a-vis other Republican, right? I mean, it's, it's not as clear as, you know, everything stays exactly, yeah. exactly where it is. Uh, Trump got, I think it was eight. Is that right? Eight percent. This is from memory now of the black vote in 2020. So it was 92 percent went for Joe Biden, something like that, which that is maybe correct. I'm not sure. I did. A, I did a deep dive on the analytics. Um, the, the truth is Trump gained in all minority voters in 2020, despite being called so, racist for four years. Yeah. I mean, the the uh, there was a major effort under the Trump administration and the first step act was a part of this. And some of you may have seen over the weekend that uh, someone who was pardoned by Obama, I believe, not by Trump, under the clemency and leniency in, in policing uh, or in incarceration, uh, just went, went well, went and murdered somebody on the highway. So somebody who we were told was locked up and was no danger to society, that the Obama administration, that President Obama himself pardoned, and there was a lot of discussion about it, uh, killed someone, uh, shot someone in the head. So it's not as straightforward as as we've all learned Oh, there's too much mass incarceration. We need to do less of this. The Trump administration decided that a way to win a larger percentage of the minority vote in this country was with the First Step Act. And uh, and I, uh, by the way, I believe Tim Scott was very favorable for the First Step Act. Um, I, I'd have to go back and check again. We're doing a lot of talking here and my memory is not perfect. Um, but the First Step Act, as we know, did not change in any meaningful way as a policy the black vote for Donald Trump. Didn't work, right? Didn't work. So on the policy side of things, we saw failure to get more of the black vote in 2020. 
on the identity politics side of things, which is what you're talking about, right? If you had a a charismatic, inspiring, um, you know, just respected across the board politician like Tim Scott, would that move the needle to your point to the you got to get I, I'd have to check the numbers 16, 17, 18 percent of the black vote nationwide and then you win. Maybe, maybe, you know, and the other question about this buck is turnout motivation on both sides. Because what I was saying about the the thing that was interesting about Herschel versus Warnock is having two black guys running and a black woman on the ticket as governor, the expectation was that black vo- voter turnout would skyrocket, right? Because you have three of the four biggest offices that are for the race in 2022 being run with minority black candidates. Instead, the opposite happened. The turnout as a share of the overall electorate went down. How much of, and this is psychological too, how much of seeing yourself represented and it becoming more commonplace actually makes you less likely as a black voter to be as engaged on voting for the black candidate? In other words, Obama as the first black presidential candidate, big story, it didn't make a difference for Cory Booker. It didn't make a difference for Kamala Harris. Both of those guys and gals got absolutely crushed in the Repub- in the Democrat uh, primary. So that's worth thinking about because a big part of Trump, and everything kind of circles back to 2024, is does Trump bring out certain low-propensity voters who will cast votes for Republicans? Yes. Does he also do the same for Democrats? Yes. And to what extent does Trump motivate turnout on both sides? And how how much of that is a negative versus a positive in terms of winning elections? People didn't vote for Biden, as we've said. They voted against Trump. How would that play out for somebody like Tim Scott? I think that's intriguing, too. Tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. That's right. Tomorrow morning, my friends, join me for an exclusive online interview with an amazing market analyst, Mason Sexton. If the name is familiar... That's because he also happens to be my dad. We'll be talking about the great disruption of 2023. Dad's a Harvard uh, Business School graduate, and he worked on Wall Street for over 50 years. He translated this into a successful market timing service. He received worldwide attention for his prediction of the 1987 stock market crash and then went on to make many other incredibly accurate and timely market calls. Here are some of the quotes from Mason from back in the day. The New York Post said he makes uncanny predictions of market turns. The economist said he could be the next market guru. Now Mason's coming forward again after advising hedge funds privately behind the scenes for years with his first major prediction publicly in 30 years. Something big is about to happen, and it's going to be set in motion over the next eight weeks. That's right, just the next eight weeks we're talking about here. Want the details? Go online to disruption2023.com to sign up. That's disruption 2023 Dot com. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons, One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. 
You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We were talking about the fact that it feels as if many people who are entering the Republican race are auditioning to be Donald Trump's vice president. And if not his vice president, secretary of treasury, secretary of state, that they're, in, that they're interested in being in the administration. And the only, it's, I, I want you guys to just pay attention to what's going on here. The only person that has gone into the Republican race that Donald Trump has actually attacked is Ron DeSantis. That's it. Here's what Donald Trump had to say uh, in the last few minutes about Tim Scott entering. Good luck to Senator Tim Scott in entering the Republican presidential primary race. It is rapidly loading up with lots of people, and Tim is a big step up from Ron DeSanctimonious, who is totally unelectable. I got Opportunity Zones done with Tim, a big deal that has been highly successful. Good luck, Tim! Exclamation point. Right. That is Donald we, Trump's reaction. Clay, to, to Tim this Scott is a Trump. Race. 
this is a Trump DeSantis fight, and we all know it. And all these other candidates are not going to be the president uh, unless something dramatic happens. That I know no one can really predict the future of politics. But um, a couple of things, by the way, that I checked out while we were in the break. Um, I was I was actually far too generous uh, toward. Well, um, you look at the pers- there were a lot of candidates in the recall in California. Gavin Newsom got eighty four percent of the black vote. Personally, there were other candidates beside Larry Elder who were also on that recall ballot. So when you look at the number of Democrats, it's like 90, 92 um, percent. And then you look at uh, Lindsey Graham versus Tim Scott, and they weren't running you know, against each other. But uh, Tim Scott got two percent more of the black vote in South Carolina than Lindsey Graham did. Two percent in his home state. So it has just been th- these numbers have been immovable Four years. That doesn't mean they're not movable. That doesn't mean that the identity politics got run against. Do we know? Is it another black candidate? I that again. We're this is we're doing data on the fly here. It's it's challenge. I know uh, Lindsey Graham ran against a black candidate um, for uh, because they spent fifty million dollars or whatever the heck it was to try to flip the Lindsey Graham seat in South Carolina, and the reason why the the identity politics thing I think that has not been tested that often is what happens if a black Republican runs against a, uh, a, a white Democrat. Now right. you can in, say in Gavin California, Newsom, Larry it, Elder, but it was exactly Larry Elder is to be fair. I, I, I think, you know, a conservative talk radio host in a state that, um, that doesn't have that high of a black population. I just, I, I am just curious if you had, if Herschel Walker had been running against, I don't know, like Ossoff, right, the white guy, what would that have looked like in terms of the numbers? And again, part of the the the, the data here is just looking at the overall electorate and analyzing it. Trump lost in 2020, not because of the black vote. The black vote was actually down. Trump lost because suburban white women hate him. All right, that's the truth, and. My biggest well, thing on Trump as you move towards 2024 is how do you persuade suburban white women that Trump is not the devil because they turned on him in a big way? Trump Trump didn't do well enough with white women, for sure, white suburban women, white working class voters in Rust Belt states and uh, college in general, college educated white voters as well. That the, Those were the underperformance areas relative to 2016 which i think is the you know important yeah. metric to look at right like he's got there are other places where a republican's gonna have a tough time you want to take we got a couple of people from south yeah. carolina you want to let let our folks weigh in here Let's we got denise in columbia south carolina how you doing i'm great buck how are you oh well, clay and i are fantastic denise what's on your mind well um i, I just had a few things to say about senator scott he is incredibly one of the best senators we've had in south carolina and my main concern is, like you, you were just discussing about Lindsey Graham, the $50 million, I would be worried that they would try to do that again in South Carolina. And point in case is um, Jacksonville. You mean, you, mean, you mean if Tim Scott were not your senator that there would be a lot of money spent to try to replace him? Is that what you're trying to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, like well, I, I mean, look. Point in case, you know. Jacksonville, Florida, just elected their first mayor, um, Democrat mayor, and um, and as y'all know, a lot of people have been escaping to South Carolina. Literally. Yeah, 
Thank you for calling in, Denise. Barry from Columbia, South Carolina. has got another Tim Scott take. How are you doing, Barry? Good. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. Um, the uh, issue of uh, Tim Scott, you know, this is an honorable man. Now, I just heard that he's black. Well, okay. I'm lying. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean... Uh, you like you like the idea that he's running. You think he can be president? I think he can be president. All I right. Think. Thank you, Barry. Thank you for calling in. We had to get to Barry. We're, the music means that unfortunately the end of the hour is here, so we had to bounce. Apologies for that. Um, Clay, what what kind of a wild, insightful, and fun ride are you taking us on in the next in the next hour? We got so many topics we were thinking about getting to. Where, we where do you have want a to bundle. Take uh, there's a great front page story on Bud Light and the collapse there. Also, I want to talk. We, did, we, we were going to mention it, but this NAACP boycott oh, yes. of Florida is among the most ridiculous stories that I have seen in some time. We'll discuss both and what they represent when we come back for hour two. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 